1: Hey, what's up everybody? My name is Jay Helms and I'm the founder of this movement and podcast known as the W2 Capitalist. Today, I have a special guest known as Denise Evans. She is an Alabama attorney, real estate broker, investor, educator, and national nationally publicized author on real estate topics. Good morning, Denise. How are you? Good morning, Jay. Um, so first things first, you're from Alabama, right? So you're located in, is it Jemison?
0: I'm in Jemison, which is halfway between Birmingham and Montgomery. I'm technically from nowhere. I'm an army brat.
1: <laughs> okay. So that's, that's fine. That's fine. A lot of our audience are, are army brats themselves. That's fine. So, um, one of the things I wanted to make sure I asked you is when it comes to, tax... And we're going to talk about tax liens and tax deeds. And if you follow Denise on on Bigger Pockets, at least that's how I was connected to her, is that she is the... Can I call you the queen of Alabama tax tax liens? I kind of
0: like Queen. Sure. <laughs>
1: uh, you had a review on your profile, actually, is Miss Denise Evans is the tax sales expert in Alabama, uh, which I think that's a huge endorsement. But I also was led your way... Through a member of our mastermind, of my mastermind that I have going on, said, "Hey, if you want to talk to somebody about this particular topic, this is who I've learned a lot from." And now that I'm saying that, I was supposed to invite him to be on this. Holy crap! I'll have to make it up to him, Jamie. You just sorry have to buddy. invite me back. Yeah. Well, there you go. There you go. That's it. But I want to dive into this whole idea of tax deed, tax lien kind of the scenario, because here in Florida, so I'm in Florida, you're in Alabama. Do tax, do, do tax laws translate from state to state?
0: In most states, they do translate from state to state. Okay. Uh, there's a lot of commonality, but Alabama is completely different from the rest of the United States. That's what makes it more work. But that's where the opportunities are, too, because we're not flooded with tax sale investors from all over the world.
1: So what do you mean they're different?
0: In Alabama, when you buy at the auction or if you buy off the state inventory, if something doesn't sell at auction, you get a tax certificate, which is an instrument that allows you to earn interest income like other states. The unique thing about Alabama is you are also entitled to take possession of the property and under some circumstances to make improvements to the property. And even if the owner redeems, they have to pay you for the value the, the added value, not the cost, but the added value of those improvements that is completely unique
1: that so that's wow okay so that is the so Alabama is the only state that allows that to happen right so that's incredible. so the if i only one if I go and I think this is what Jamie was mentioning to me at least I know he, he's done this before where he bought a uh, tax certificate um, it was not occupied at the time I don't believe. Uh, anyway the, it wasn't occupied and then he started doing some remodeling to it and i said hey man what do you are you not concerned that the the owners is going to redeem the tax certificate which basically means and correct me if i'm wrong the owner can come in and pay the tax uh what's owed on the taxes plus the interest right which will go to you uh if you're wow. if you're the purchaser of the certificate and that was it right how how was you know, cause I was a little concerned. I ran into a situation like this before where I looked at an opportunity and it was a house that was up for tax in Florida. We have tax deed sales as well. And I want to get into that a little bit to talk about the difference, but I was concerned. This was a tax certificate situation that if I buy it, knowing that I want to fix it up and then rent it out, what if the owner did come and redeem it? Right. And then I'd be out of pocket all that money. So, but what you're saying is in Alabama if I acquire the tax certificate, I do the improvements. Let's just say I put $10,000 in that generates a value of $12,000. Then the owner of that property not only has to redeem that tax certificate, but then they have to pay me that $12,000 for them to get the property back. Is that Am I following you there?
0: That's substantially accurate. There are some limitations. In fact, there are two limitations. One is um, if the property... It contains a residential structure, which is, which is an odd way of describing a property as opposed to yeah. a residential property. <laughs> yeah. But farms, for example, are my, I live on an 80-acre farm. My farm contains a residential structure, but it's not a residential property. Mm. So if the property contains a residential structure, you're allowed to make what's called preservation improvements, which is anything required to return the property to habitability or to preserve it, such as a termite bond. If the property is located within the official boundaries of an urban renewal or urban redevelopment district, then you get any improvements at all, no matter what you've done, no matter if it's repairs or upgrades, and no matter what type of property it is.
1: I got you. So, I think you just highlighted the importance of if you're going to get into this, consult an attorney firsthand so they can interpret that law for you. Because <laughs> if if it's a you know if it's a guy like me. Uh, you're just like, wow, okay, here I'm gonna buy this tax certificate. I'll make all these improvements to the, the property and then I'm gonna expect this big payday out at the end. Um, that could be a risky situation, right? So that that's uh, you just highlighted why why you exist, right? That's
0: well, I, mean. I exist as an educator. I don't. Uh, I'm actually licensed in Texas. I'm. I moved back home to Alabama oh, yeah. from Texas, so I don't practice law in Alabama. I refer people to Alabama attorneys. I am an educator, and there are a lot of these things that do not require an attorney, as long as you're well educated. In the beginning, you're going to require an attorney for some things where you have to go to court. But knowing. What's a preservation improvement or not, or knowing the rules about being paid for improvements is an education matter, not, not, a, not a hire a lawyer matter. I don't want people scared off from Alabama because they think it's attorney intensive. It is not.
1: Very excellent point. Um, and, and I think, you know, a lot of times, at least for me, when I don't know about a particular area of investing, then I consult with my attorney to get educated but you're right. It is not necessarily an attorney.
0: And you must have a wonderful attorney who's willing to educate you because he, well, right. Most attorneys are not willing to educate you. Most attorneys fix problems.
1: Yeah. He, uh, he, I pay for that education. So
0: <laughs> <laughs> don't we all <laughs> one way or another. <laughs> yeah,
1: and, and, uh, you know, he's, he's not very strict with me as far as that goes. I mean, you know, I, I, every property that we close on, if I have the choice, we use him as the closing official. Uh, so he earned some money that way. And, and it's been a good relationship I've, I've harbored over the last five years. So uh, he's treated me well. I've treated him well. So it's, it's a, uh, uh, it's a good relationship for me. So, and I, and I like having him, you know, cause if anything comes up, I can always go back to our conversations and say, look, man, this is, this is what we talked about. Where did I misunderstand you? that kind of thing. But anyway, um, that's an excellent point. It's a education thing, not necessarily a legal, legal matter. Uh, and that's, that's, that's why you're here, right? That's uh, exactly. Uh, so I want to unpack a little bit because when I first started, I heard tax certificate, tax lien, tax deed, and I kind of, without being properly educated and know, knowing someone you like yourself, I assumed that all those words were interchangeable and they're not, right? So can you walk us through the difference between a, a tax certificate and a tax lien and a tax deed?
0: A tax certificate is an instrument that allows you to collect interest income on the amount of the taxes plus some portion of the overbid, but it also entitles you to possession of the property. As I said earlier, and not only can you make those improvements, but you can rent the property out. And when and if the taxpayer ever redeems, you get, to collect, you get to keep all the collected rents. Those are yours. So that's a tax certificate. And that's in existence for the first three years after the auction. A tax deed is what happens on the three-year anniversary of the auction or any time after that. You surrender your tax certificate and you get a tax deed even though you have a deed to the property now and the the, the tax-assessed owner is now the former owner, while you have a tax certificate, he's still the owner. Once you have the tax deed, he's the former owner. That person might still have redemption rights, but you have more options because you have the deed. It's easier to get casualty insurance, for example. Alabama now has also tax lien sales. Some of the counties have switched to tax liens which functions just like tax lien auctions in other counties or other states in the United States. You go to auction, you um, bid down the interest rate. Interest starts at 12% and then bidders bid down the redemption interest rate. They're willing to accept if the property is redeemed and all you have is a lien. If after three years, the taxpayer has not redeemed, you can file a judicial foreclosure lawsuit to foreclose the lien and at that point, you get a foreclosure order, vesting title in you, and a quiet title order simultaneously that gives you nice, clean, insurable title. Alabama has all three methods.
1: That's awesome. Can we talk about quiet title just a minute? What, what does that actually mean?
0: Quieting title, I like to describe as quieting the ghosts that are haunting the title.
1: It gets <laughs> like rid that. of all
0: of those claims Um lien holders, redemption rights. It is a court order at, at the end of it, or a, a court proceeding at the end of which you receive an order saying that you are the owner of the property and there are no defects in the title. That's a quiet title lawsuit.
1: And again, we're talking about, and is there, every state's a little bit different in how that can work. Is that right? We're talking specifically about Alabama because it's where your area of expertise, but every state is a little bit different. We are talking different.
0: about Alabama. Every state is slightly different. Okay. A little bit different, but this is, this is old law going back to the, the 1300s in England. So there's a lot of uniformity among the states with just a few tiny wrinkles.
1: Okay. One of the things too that I've always been, because when I have um, looked at tax certificate auctions or tax deed auctions, is that making sure that it had a clean title or saw what was on the title, right? If there was other liens on the property, if there was a construction or utility lien on the property, when you look uh, or let me back up, in the state of Alabama, when you acquire a tax certificate, or uh, it would probably be more applicable to a tax deed, and this is where I want your help navigating this question do those other liens are they satisfied, or as you as the tax? Deed owner or occupier, are they responsible, or or am I responsible to pay out those other tax liens? Does that make sense?
0: It it does make sense, and I think virtually all states have the same rule because um, ad valorem taxes are so important to the to government. Um, But I don't want to go out on a limb there, so I'll limit myself to Alabama. In Alabama, the tax, the ad valorem tax lien, is a super priority lien that jumps to the head of the stack of liens. So when there is a tax auction, with with some minor exceptions that I'll describe in a minute, all those liens go off the property. And the only way for them to be able to enforce their lien is first they have to redeem from the investor with the same redemption rules as the taxpayer. In other words, paying for the preservation improvements. First, those lien holders have to redeem, and then they can foreclose their liens. The only exception is local government liens. That's going to be nuisance liens for grass cutting, demolition liens, sewer liens, those local government kinds of things. They are not wiped out by the tax auction. They do not have to go through a redemption. But if they foreclose their liens, they are required to pay the investor taxes plus interest. They are not required to pay for any preservation improvements.
1: Okay. Again, I think you just highlight the reason why you have to have somebody like you in your corner <laughs> to navigate this kind of thing because that's uh, that's a lot of information. Like my head's kind of spinning right now, but um, I don't well, know. Uh, well, I,
0: prefer, I prefer tax sale properties that have lots of liens against them. If somebody doesn't pay their taxes and they have a, a $60,000 hospital judgment lien mm-hmm. and a $200,000 IRS lien, those two lien holders never redeem That taxpayer's not going to redeem us throwing good money after bad. He's not going to do that. I'm going to end up with that property.
1: Mm. So how do I find out if I'm a, if I'm a uh, somebody who's looking to invest in the tax deeds uh, with the idea of acquiring the property or at least earning some pretty good interest on my money, how do I find these properties and where, how do I find out what kind of other liens are on these properties?
0: There are two ways to find these properties. One is the annual auctions, which start in late March with the first one. That's usually Shelby County, the wealthiest county in the state. And they end in early June. So the, the, the auctioned properties are have notices run in the newspaper. Typically, they're on county websites. You find out about them there and you go to the auction except for the few counties that have switched to the new lien auction procedure where you bid down the interest rate. For all the other counties that do certificate sales, anything that does not sell at auction goes on the state inventory. It goes to the uh, Alabama Department of Revenue where you can see a list of all available properties and submit a request to buy a property online 24 seven. So two methods, either the annual auctions or the state inventory. And as far as researching them, I've got some products that tell you how to research properties. Every county is slightly different because they have different portals for for the information. But for preliminary research for due diligence and deciding what properties that are more like most likely to meet your, your needs, you can do that research yourself after a little bit of education.
1: Okay. And you've got those products that which is awesome. So If somebody is not interested in Alabama and interested in other states, are there other, I don't want to say other Denise Evans, there's only one Denise Evans, right? But (laughs) How do I find, like, how do I find the Denise Evans of, of Florida? What's the best way to, to find a different in a different state?
0: You know, I think Bigger Pockets is probably the best way to find them in other states because it's such a, a terrific forum and community of people. And you're looking for the person who's most willing to give real advice on Bigger Pockets instead of just this hide the peanut under the walnut shell kind of stuff to drum up
1: business. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. Love Bigger Pockets. Love what it's done for me and, and my investing, and, and it's a great, great forum. To tap into um, what are some of the questions that you typically get asked from a th- that we haven't covered already but from a newbie investor like myself who who because there's there's not a lot of um, at least in my very limited research there's not a lot of educational material like you provide out there for tax certificates, but it sounds like a pretty lucrative uh, and somewhat easy I don't want to label it as easy nothing in real estate investing is easy, right? So, but what are some of the typical questions well, for that you get from your
0: students? Um, I'll go over two of the most common areas of questions, but I have some free videos. I've got a YouTube channel. I've got a, a video on frequently asked questions about Alabama tax sales, and then some other things that come up. So, and, and I've got some articles on my website on butlerrevenueseducation.com. So, I'd ask people to check out those free resources and learn everything that they can free and see if this is something they wanna pursue. The the questions that I think are probably the most surprising to to new investors are issues having to do with possession and issues having to do with redemption rights. Mm -hmm. As far as possession goes, the statute says that if you have a tax certificate, as soon as you receive your tax certificate, which is usually going to happen within weeks after the auction, you're entitled to possession of property. There are a lot of wholesalers out there reselling uh, tax certificates and even tax deeds that tell investors that means that if the property is vacant, they can change the locks, go in and take over, start making their improvements. And that is not accurate. Mm. The fact that you're entitled to possession is similar to a landlord whose tenant has defaulted and the landlord has terminated the tenant's rights. The, the, the landlord is entitled to possession, but that doesn't mean he can go in and throw everything out on the street. He has to use the courts if he's not able to get possession voluntarily. The right to possession in Alabama after a tax sale means either, well, simplest method is the, the taxpayer has surrendered possession. They say yes. Um, you go in and take over, or I will sign a lease with you. If the taxpayer signs a lease with you, then you are legally in possession. It might mean that you have to get an ejectment order, which is an order from a court ordering somebody off the property, or if the property is vacant, ordering that you are the only one legally in possession, whether you're physically in possession or not. That's a very simple lawsuit. That's about as easy as a do-it-yourself
1: eviction lawsuit. How expensive are those?
0: Um, If you do it yourself, the filing fee is going to be about $300. That's the court cost. If you hire an attorney, the legal fees are going to run probably $500 to $1,500, depending on who you get. A very easy lawsuit. Gotcha. And that's evidenced by how cheap it is to to hire a lawyer to get it done.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: The other method is if the property is abandoned, legally abandoned, Then you can change the locks and go in and take over. Legally abandoned is different from vacant and in really bad shape and badly neglected. Legally abandoned is that the owner has formed a thought in their mind that they will never again do anything with this property. They're not going to redeem it. They're not going to wait and let their five-year-old child redeem it when he gets older. They have turned their back on this property and will will never return. And for that, you either have to have a conversation with the taxpayer or you need to be really good at guessing what's going on from evidence on the ground. And the evidence on the ground might be nobody's been there for years. There's significant deferred maintenance. The neighbors say this person's living drunk in an alley in Mobile um, and there are liens against the property. So when you put all those jigsaw puzzle pieces together, the property is abandoned.
1: Now, why do you want to pick on Mobile like that?
0: <laughs> because I wanted to buy a <laughs> property in Tuscaloosa County <laughs> up on, on Lake Tuscaloosa, beautiful property, and a disbarred attorney owned it. And when I researched him, he had been living drunk on the on the streets uh, of Mobile for the last five years. And I thought... He ain't
1: coming back. (laughs) Yeah. So one of the things you mentioned legally abandoned, um, and you get into how you prove that, uh, but you've, you've, like you said, you've got to be very, because here again, if you're depends on what you're trying to do with the property, right? If you're trying to flip it or you're trying to make it livable to, uh, to area standards so you can rent it out, you don't want to spend a bunch of money. And then the taxpayer come back and say, no, I, I did not legally abandon that property. Um, it's very important to figure that out before you start spending a bunch of money, right? One of the, and so I have one it experience.
0: Just, right, with, this is very important uh, and this.
1: Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I, I have one experience with a tax certificate purchase and I said I would never do it again. <laughs> but it, this is why I wanted to talk to you to make sure, you know, that I was, uh, didn't, uh, let, cause it, it's been a pretty lucrative position for us, right? We bought a property. I thought it was abandoned, right? You, you ride by it. You're like, there's no way anybody's living in this house. So we ended up buying the tax certificate and, and uh, immediately right. you know, I, I found out, Oh, um, how there is somebody living it, And the way I found out, my lawyer told me, again, he's, he's been educating me. He said, look, call the power company. Ask them if the power's turned on. If the power's turned on, chances are somebody's living there. Because, I mean, this property is is not in a very good area. It was, looks like it had been abandoned. And quite frankly, I was scared to walk up to the door. And you're probably thinking, well, why would you want to own something like that? But this is how some of those situations end up, right? Is, is uh, there are Right. Uh, at least in, in my area, it was not a very good area of town. It wasn't in the most desirable. It's still in a good area of town, but the property was just demolished, right? Or at right. least I thought it was. And then I, f- I come to find out there is somebody living there. Uh, I did what you recommended. I talked to the neighbors from the property uh, of the property. Uh, but again, my lawyer gave me some real good advice once I purchased the tax certificate. I said, man, I got to get this guy out. He's bad news. He, um, uh, you know, come to find out later, he was squatting there. He had been squatting there for 10 years. Uh, the reason why the property went to tax deed and then eventually to tax certificate was because um, the guy who inherited the property had spent the last several years in prison. Um, And this guy had been squatting there. Not only had been living there rent free, but he had been stealing his mom's disability checks to produce supplies to cook meth in the backyard. Real fun. Yeah, real fun time for me after I discovered all this. This is after I I purchased it, right? So I learned a lot in this, but I was like, how do I get this guy out? And, And my lawyer gave me some really good advice. He said, look, send him a certified letter make sure that you highlight you've copied your attorney on that and certified because then he has to sign for it. You know, he's there. And then you've got to get him under lease. You get him under lease, make sure it's a month to month lease. And the moment he does something to break that lease, you evict him. And within 30 days he had not paid rent. (laughs) I mean, it was just, I mean, it was, it just, you know, all teed up the way my lawyer, um, described everything would happen so i did that he didn't pay rent like the second month we were there uh we had him evicted and i thought the property was destroyed before oh no he just (laughs) we ended up it was a it was a mobile home with a couple of block buildings around it we ended up demolishing everything and just hauling off to the dump uh and We ended up putting another mobile home on the property. We've had really good tenants in there now. I mean, there is a silver lining, right? So we cleaned up that property. It was a... Every time I went over there, there were kids running up and down the street, riding their bikes and stuff like that. So it really weighed heavy on me once I found out what he was doing in the backyard. I was like, I've got to get this guy out. Uh, regardless, um, because he's really gonna—he has the potential to affect these kids, and so we got him out. We got a new place in. Uh, Tenant's been amazing in there. Um, so it's one of those things where that's my only story. So I'm like, ah, I don't know if I want to do that again.
0: <laughs> well, that, that's a that's a good that's a great story to illustrate one particular point. And your your lawyer gave you terrific advice to get this person to sign a lease. And once they sign a lease, if they fail to make the lease payments, which they always do, yeah. you can use the really fast, easy, cheap eviction procedure to get them out of the property. You don't have to go the slower, more expensive ejectment route.
1: Yes. And ejectment's more expensive too, right?
0: Yes. Ejectment is in circuit court. Um, you, you, have to, well, you don't have to have a lawyer. Having a lawyer is better. Um, eviction is in district court. Um, there are Rules of civil procedure and rules of evidence you need to know in circuit court. Eviction in district court is just everybody stands in front of the judge and tells their sad story. Mm-hmm. Um, the time limits in for an eviction are seven days after service to take a default judgment, 30 days in ejectment. Service mm-hmm. a process with an eviction. You can do what's called nail and mail service with an eviction, which is process server going out, knocking on the door. Nobody answers. He tapes a copy of the lawsuit papers on the door and mails them by regular mail within 24 hours. And that is legally the same as a process server handing somebody the papers. But that works only for evictions. So everything about evictions is easier. And once, once that person signs that lease, they have voluntarily placed you in possession of the property, which is a great place for you to be.
1: Absolutely. I love the phrase nail and mail evictions. I've never heard that, but I'm definitely adding (laughs) that to my lexicon. That's awesome. I tell people
0: they don't have to use a nail. Please use (laughs) tape.
1: Yeah. And it's funny too. If if you ever have tenant issues, I don't manage any of our properties anymore, but if you ever have tenant issues uh, of paying, you know, I've learned that they tenants will get away with whatever you allow them to get away with. And one of the, last properties that I managed routinely late tenant was routinely late. And I finally said, you know what, you're no longer going to be late. Either you have the money to me, uh, by the fifth, like your lease says, or I'm filing for an eviction. So here we come fifth of the month. I get the sob story. Uh, I said, I understand. Do you remember us having a conversation on last month? Yes. Okay. Well I'm going today to start the eviction process. And I did, and you know, it, by the 11th, I had my, had my money. She was never late again. She did call me, you know, one Dece- one December, uh, saying, "Hey, we, we ran into some hard times. Uh, we're not going to be able to meet January's rent. Can we get it to you later?" And I was like, "Nope, not not going to happen." You know, of course, when I walk in this property, there's a big screen TV. There's all these other things. You know, they're just not spending their money correctly, but. I think in my experience, at least, and it's very limited on actually managing properties, Threaten once to to get them evicted. uh, They're going to be on time because they don't want that on their record. Right. They know, especially the, uh, the career renters that, uh, well, they don't want (laughs) it on their record and they don't want
0: the hassle of having to move.
1: Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, But that is a, Uh, it's interesting how you can, can train a tenant or, or get them out. But anyway, uh, so one of the things you said, you were born in Alabama, you you spent some time in Texas. Now you're back in Alabama. I myself was raised in Alabama, spent most of my life there until we moved to Florida about 10 years ago. So there's a burning question that I ask everybody who's from Alabama, where is your collegiate alliance?
0: I went to law school at the University of Alabama, and I taught. Oh, no. I taught at the University of <laughs> Alabama. I taught in the College of Commerce. I taught real estate courses in the College of Commerce. So I think that answers that question. Uh, but my brother went to Auburn, so we're 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 amicable on that point.
1: Uh, okay, I bet Thanksgiving dinners are interesting for y'all because that weekend is usually rivalry weekend, right? So, uh, as long as you get together for the game, yeah. <laughs> That's exactly. Awesome. Well, I wasn't. I was not. You know, there is a stereo being raised Auburn. There's a stereotypical uh, view of what an Alabama fan looks and sounds like. And I will say that uh, I did not have you pegged as an Alabama fan based on that stereotypical view that I was I was raised on. So. That's awesome. That's uh that's good.
0: I guess thank you is the right response there. Is is that what you're looking for?
1: <laughs> that that was meant to be a compliment, yes. <laughs> okay. That's, that's I'll take compliment. it as such. <laughs> <Good>. Thank you. <laughs> that's awesome. Denise, we're coming up on time. I appreciate you uh educating us all. Uh, I've got links to your YouTube channel, your bigger pockets profile and your email address. I'll put in the show notes, but ultimately what's the best way for people to get in touch with you?
0: I think go to the website, www.ballerevanseducation.com and just click on the contact me tab or link.
1: Okay. We'll put a link there as well. And also I want to do a public shout out to Jamie O'Brien with O'Brien Holmes. He was the guy that led me to you that I realized after we started talking this morning that I failed to invite him. And, and we had some scheduling issues. I full, take full responsibility for that. I appreciate your flexibility and coming back again, but I'll take you up on your offer to have you back because I know Jamie's got a lot more in-depth questions and a lot more. Um, I, I would say this is like a one-on-one class. And then when Jamie comes, because he's has he's had some success and a lot more experience than I have when it comes to this sort of investing. Uh, we'll call that the 201 class. Does that sound fair?
0: That sounds terrific. I'd love that.
1: Denise, thank you for again for your time and you have a great day, okay?
0: Okay, bye, Jay. Bye.